Canada's new guidelines on alcohol and health have arrived with the following advice. Any reduction in drinking helps. The more you drink, the higher the risks are, and preferably consume no more than two drinks on a given day. Let me repeat that again. Consume no more than two drinks on a given day. Now, the guidelines released today by the Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse and Addiction present uh, present a continuum of health risks associated with different amounts of alcohol, including the risks of several types of cancer, such as breast and colon cancer, heart disease, and stroke. Now, one to two standard drinks a week, uh, each the equivalent of um, a 12-ounce serving of 5% alcohol beer or a 5-ounce glass uh, of 12 percent wine is considered low risk and that risk increases with greater amounts of consumption according to the new document. Joining me now to talk about uh, Canada's new alcohol guidelines is Dr. Brendan Narung. He's a family physician and a Global News CKNW medical contributor. Dr. Narung, thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Jazz. I wasn't going to bother you, but this came across my <laughs> desk and I said I'm going to give him a call because I know our listeners uh, are going to be uh, t- talking about this issue. Now, the, the, the one to two standard drinks a week. Now, the previous guidelines recommended no more than 10 drinks a week for women and 15 drinks a week for men. That's a huge U-turn. What's causing this in your mind? Well, I think we need to look at that the new, those old guidelines came out in 2011. And so there's been a long time since there's been an update. And um, over the last few years, there's been a lot of more that's understood about the direct impacts from alcohol on our health. And I think, you know, it's not going to surprise anyone to say is like, hey, drinking too much can lead to um, harm in your body. But now it's drinking even very little amounts by conventional standards can still have significant impact on your health. And so that's what we're looking at. You know, there are physical impacts, there are psychological impacts. And we haven't even talked about um, the fact that up to 20% of the population might be actually having uh, what we call an alcohol use disorder, which means that they have a, um, a relationship with alcohol that they do not have control over. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, under the new guidelines, which was updated by a scientific uh, expert panel, uh, which wanted to reflect sort of the latest research. Three to six drinks a week is considered moderate moderate risk for both men and women. Seven or more drinks a week is deemed high risk. Uh, so that's why I guess they recommend not exceeding two drinks on any, any, any yeah. given day. Um, do you think part of this also has to do with the fact that we as a general public, as Canadians... Uh, we are reliant on alcohol too often. And, and what I mean by that is, hey, uh, look, we've got uh, some business to talk about. Let's go meet over drinks. We've got, uh, it's Friday, let's go grab some drinks. That so we have a tendency, never mind those who abuse alcohol on a regular basis and have challenges with it, is that it's become so normalized that we do generally drink too much, even the ones who feel they don't have a drinking problem or that uh, they don't drink too much. Yeah. Um, yes, and that's one of the, when we look at the indirect consequences of um, even the last few years of the restrictions placed by the pandemic and the social isolation, um, you know, there's evidence from Stats Canada that up to a quarter of people due to stress, boredom, loneliness, this disconnection has actually contributed to an increase in consumption for nearly a quarter of the population. So that's huge as well. And so while there's the social part of it, there's also that social isolation that contributes to it. So what that means is like, what is the role that alcohol um, plays in one's life? I think, you know, for every, to tell people is like that we, everyone has to uh, live a life of abstinence also isn't um, probably reasonable for most people. I think it's all just understanding what you're doing. It's like every time we go to McDonald's or go somewhere and eat something that's not 
um, healthy for us. It's it's a calculated risk. You know that you're not what you're doing probably isn't healthy for you. But at that point, it's what you've decided to get. And so when we look at like the harms from alcohol, when they say this low, so they say let's say low is two drinks a week, uh, moderate risk is um, three to six a week. Mm-hmm. Even with that um, shift, is they say in if you're in a low risk. Um, level, you're, you might have about a one in, t- a one, in 1,000 risk of premature death. If it goes up to that moderate risk, um, then that goes up by 10 times, one in 100 risk of premature death. Hmm. That's not a lot more. No, I was. We were talking about this earlier um, before the show started. About you know, we it is very common to have a glass of wine with dinner. Uh, I view myself as a social drinker. I, I don't drink at home, rarely if ever drink at home. But I, for social occasions, I will drink. I just got an email uh, from one of our listeners, Jenny, who says, "Jazz, what about France and Italy, where wine with meals is standard? Do you think they are less healthy? What would you say to someone like Jenny?" I, I think that's something that's been debated for a long time. Um, hmm. Not debated. It, there's experiment people who live Mediterranean-based diets, mm-hmm. um, and where wine is a staple of that, have um, lived uh, typically healthy lives. Um, but it's it's in the context of everything else we do with it, mm-hmm. and so um, they also have very um, uh, uh, fresh produce and grains. Um, they tend to not eat a lot of red meat, but eat more salmon and fish. They have whole grains, and they live a very active life lifestyle. And so um, while they might have that glass of wine that's um, um, with their meals regularly, mm-hmm. um, they it, it's not that they're drinking in excess often um, on a daily basis. And I think what we see here is that there's a lot of um, problematic drinking, especially in, uh, in in kind of our younger populations where, you know, telling someone that on a night out that uh, more than two drinks at once is going to be harmful, they're probably just going to laugh at that. And I think that's the part is like the fact that that is so uh, foreign to them that that might be harmful is where we as a society really need to look at what our relationships are, what we're doing at home, how we're, um, uh, you know, what kind of uh, behaviors we're modeling for the uh, um, the young that are around us as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you raise a very good point. I mean, uh, you know, to think that those that don't think they have a drinking problem and, and you know, or go, let's say, enjoy Christmas holidays or whatever it may be, we've got, culturally, post-Christmas, we've got something now called Sober January. I'm not going to drink or I'm not going to drink for the next two mm-hmm. or three months um, in regards to some sort of cleanse, I guess, of the body because you perhaps were enjoying yourself with family and friends at Christmas time. I guess that's part of the culture as well, that uh, even though we're, we're drinking less apparently because of the numbers, uh, it's still an issue where we are, uh, you know, drinking too much when we do drink because we have these cultural events now where, where I've heard people yeah. already say, I'm not going to drink for January. And I didn't even know sober January was a thing, but apparently well, it is. I, whenever I see things like that, I always think about what are people's motivations behind it. If you're um, taking January off from drinking because you're recognizing that you've drank too much in December or that you might later in the year, um, Sure, that in the short term can help, but it's like a diet. Um, most diets set you up to fail because your your long term behavior change hasn't changed. So your relationship still is like this brief uh, um, break from it, um, while at the time might help you feel better in that time. Um, in the long run, it probably won't make too much of a difference if the other eleven months of the year you're still um, um, have an at risk relationship with alcohol. Uh, this has been, you know, for the last two decades, 25 years, there's been an ongoing battle with uh, tobacco companies. Uh, you know, many years ago, we decided labeling 
We then decided that you can't smoke in public places. In some cases, even in Europe now, they're banning smoking on beaches. Uh, those are the kind of longer-term public policies that have been brought in because we know if you use tobacco the way you're supposed to use tobacco, it will cause harm to you and will also cost taxpayers many dollars because we'll have to take care of you through our public health system. Getting to alcohol, do you think it's time we treat alcohol like we've treated smoking over the last 20, 30, 40 years and start labeling bottles uh, with the uh, the implications of excessive drinking? So the, the report that did come out today does actually recommend um, mandatory labeling for alcoholic beverages with health warnings. I think that um, as a, from a policy point of view, I'm definitely not, uh, I don't have the public policy knowledge on whether it's a good idea or not. I think it makes sense from a um, uh, a knowledge translation perspective is just to make sure that whatever the con- whatever a consumer is consuming is that they have awareness of what the risks are. But also, um, we should be looking at what are the motivations of why people are maybe have an unhealthy relationship. Is it untreated depression? Is it um, you know other stresses or financial insecurity, security, housing insecurity, or the fact that like alcohol can be relatively cheap compared to other things? So I think we need to look at it at a, a wider lens of not trying to just scare people but also looking at uh, what is more of a um, the root cause of why people have this kind of disordered relationship. Or for people who don't, just that they're aware of what they're doing is risk. And then they can make their own informed decision saying, hey, like, I know that this isn't necessarily the best thing for me. I'll do better next week, but right now I need this right now. And of course, I would say if someone isn't sure how the relationship is, always um, to talk with a professional about it, a family doctor, nurse practitioner, um, whoever, or counselor, whoever can support you. Mm-hmm. Dr. Narung, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you've been on the show two days in a row. I promise I'll leave you alone for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a great week.